I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, welcome to the afternoon here on Ausbiz Australia's only live streaming business and markets channel. Great to have your company for the next 60 minutes for the call. 10 stocks suggested by you. I put it to an expert panel. And uh, in this half hour, um, it's a a really interesting bag of stocks as usual to get through. Imuron, uh, a biotech. We're going to get views on South 32, also Universal Stores, Clearview Clearview Technologies, and uh, one of the oldest listed investment companies on the Australian share market. Australian Foundation. And in the second half, see, not only do I love it when you send in stocks for us to have a look at, but some of the questions attached to it. And in the the second half of the call, um, a question from a a 20-something viewer who wants to get into one of the big listed companies and saying, this is going to be my first investment into the share market. Is this the way I should go? So, Not only am I looking forward to our panel's view on the particular stock she wants to get into, but also their suggestions on a strategy for a 20-something who wants to get into the share market for the first time. So all of that and a whole lot more coming up, but let's welcome our expert panel for today, Carl Kapalinga from Think Markets in Perth. Carl, good afternoon to you and Henry Jennings from Markets Today. How are you, mate? You both well? Good. Very well, thanks, Koshi. Sure. Good. Sure, am Koshi. Happy New Year, guys. Yeah, Happy New Year to you both. Let's get uh, stuck straight into it because whenever I talk to you two, um, you've got so much to say. We often run out of time, so I want to make the most of uh, your views on thing. Uh, first up, stock of the day, BHP, biggest trade in out today, December quarter numbers. Full year production remains unchanged after reporting a 5% jump in second quarter iron ore output, thanks to a ramped up production at its south flank mine in WA. Um, Metallurgical coal, nickel production lower, petroleum production up, important given the proposed merger with Woodside, which is expected to be completed in the June quarter. Um, Tomorrow's unification vote is also in focus. The company needs 75% support for that transaction to proceed. Management has argued a single listing will give it a simpler structure, making the organisation more cost effective. Uh, Carl, what did you think of the quarterly report on BHP and also its share price at the moment? Yeah, good afternoon, Koshi. Good morning if you're on the West Coast over here with me. And, uh, you know, the big Australian is a big part 
of WA, isn't it? Yep. It's a big part of uh, what we do over here. Uh, look, a pretty good quarterly report. I don't think there are any any major surprises in there. Um, you know, great to see a, a pop in iron ore production. Uh, copper a little bit down, but that's in line with what's happening in the broader uh, copper sector, particularly with respect to South America. So, uh, look, I think the underlying themes are probably more important than than today's announcement. That is, um, firstly, of improving uh, commodity prices. So we're seeing uh, we are seeing strong nickel prices in particular. We're seeing fairly strong copper prices down a little bit um, over the last couple of nights, but otherwise the, the trend is still pretty good there. And we've seen a big bounce in the iron ore price from, you know, about $80 US a tonne just a few months ago, you know, just before Christmas to, you know, closer to 120 at the moment. That's uh, that's pretty good money there for BHP. You know, they're making $100 US uh, profit per tonne. So, look, all pretty good on the production side. You know, the underlying themes, uh, I think there's some, some tailwinds there, but then you, you, you sort of um, compare that to the headwinds, which are, well, what is going to get going to happen uh, with the global economy going forward, and I'm not even going to try and answer that one in a, in a one-hour show. Uh, and then I think the unification is very interesting, and um, in two parts, and then obviously you've got the Woodside merger. So I think they're the bigger picture issues that will drive, um, you know, BHP, the value of BHP in the near term. Just quickly on the unification, there's two two unifications we need to worry about here, Koshi. Uh, the first one is the fact that uh, BHP could go from about six percent of the index to about 10% and that's got wow. all sorts of ramifications yeah absolutely so it's a big jump for for your for your index tracking fund manager uh, to then try and um, ref- reflect that. Now, no doubt we've seen some some strength in the BHP share price. Some of that is probably already occurring. They're probably getting ahead of that, maybe sneaking ahead of that, uh, where mandates um, allow them to. But to be fair, many of them, the mandates won't allow them to do that until it actually occurs. Um, so watch that one. That could um, create some underlying strength for BHP shares. The second unification and the more most contentious one, Koshi, is the unification of the nation with WA joining the rest of Australia on February 5, potentially that's if Emperor McGowan mandates thus, uh, there's still you know, some potential that he might not. Uh, but the problem with that is if we, uh, you know, we haven't had COVID over here, it's been, it's been almost next to nothing. Um, if all of you Eastern coasters start to import uh, COVID into the beautiful state of WA, that could create all sorts of problems uh, for their workforce over here. So um, uh, maybe that's the biggest um, unknown for BHP and the biggest driver of share price in the near term. But and again, one hour show, not going to try and uh, answer that one. Blimey, you're, blame, you're blaming the Easterners for, for a BHP financial slump. God, yep. I, th- I thought you just blamed us for bikies and sort of drugs and now Omicron. Um, bottom line is, would you be buying BHP shares at this price? Oh, yeah, look, I, for, I forgot about that. Be buy, 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 hold, sell. Look, I, no, look, absolutely hold it. It has had a fantastic run right. over the last few weeks, and therefore I think it's a little bit maybe prone to a little bit of a pullback. But medium to longer term, yeah, I, I still think it's a, it's a core portfolio holding. Absolutely. Okay. All right, Henry Jennings is a evil Easterner. Um, what's your view <laughs> on the, the BH, BHP quarterly report of the stock? Um well, Carl's covered uh, most of what I was going to say, unfortunately. So he's stolen my thunder to some extent. I've liked BHP for some time, around 37 bucks. Um, I added it to one of our, uh, our portfolios. And I've been a big fan of this one for, for a number of reasons. And it got pretty, it got treated quite unfairly. It got hit with a double whammy at the time, the iron ore price falling and that dual listed structure proposal uh, to collapse it. And of course, in the UK, it was trading at a big discount. So all the UK guys were buying BHP there and selling BHP here and taking advantage of that discount. And of course, when they go back to parity, 
in terms of uh, being the same. Uh, Parry per se, you could swap one for the other, although it's a little complicated. Uh, when they vote for that, then, of course, that discount will, uh, will close up. So that really hurt BHP, and I thought that was a short-term thing. Here, given the vote is imminent, uh, I'm sure it will go through. What concerns me about BHP here, apart from the fact that it's run pretty hard, and I agree with Carl on the whole basis, and I also agree that it's a, a fundamental part of portfolios. It does stretch across a number of uh, new age materials, including nickel, and with the diversification out of oil and gas and coal, to some extent, that does help. But what worries me here, I guess, is the WA issue when that does open up. The fact that it has run quite hard as well. And the other thing I read today in Bloomberg, I, I do like to read Bloomberg because it gives you that international perspective, is that uh, they have beefed up their M&A team in mm. London and the US. Now, that does send a smidge of a shiver down my spine. No. Uh, BHP, BHP has not been brilliant at uh, pricing assets <laughs> and paying the right price for them. Commodity stocks at the moment are on a massive, massive tear. So there is a danger they do something silly, uh, having transformed the company with the uh, dual-listed structure and the uh, demerger well, de of the oil and gas business. They do something silly and buy something big and pay the wrong price. And of course, BHP has been buoyed in recent times by the massive dividends and buybacks that the company has done. So I think that coupled with the WA is a risk. Iron ore has bounced nicely, but it has stopped raining in Brazil. So maybe we'll see more normalization. But uh, for me, at the moment, I'd just be lightening the load here. I know there's lots of index buyers mm. that could come to the market, but if they're smart, they've probably been uh, getting set beforehand, at least in some sort of derivative okay. uh, that gives them that exposure. But uh, for me, it's a hold because I love it as part of a core portfolio, okay. but um, there are some risks out there. Just a quick one, BHP v Rio. Mm. What do you prefer, Henry? Uh, BHP. Carl? They don't, they don't blow up heritage sites. Oh. <laughs> yeah, no. look, I, I agree. I, I, yes, I agree. Just a better mix of metals right. and maybe a little bit more ahead of the curve in terms of um, uh, their, their ESG and skewing towards the uh, EV okay. battery re revolution. All right. Okay, that's our stock of the day, BHP, and some uh, good insight there from both Carl and Henry. Uh, Taylor wants a view... Uh, Henry on Imuron, a, uh, a biotech, biopharmaceutical company uh, developing treatments to do with gastrointestinal issues. What do you think of Imuron? Oh, diarrhea, basically. <laughs> um, th these guys produce uh, Travelan, which is their big, big product and, and variations yeah. of the fact. Or, or, or variations of that product. And of course, we haven't been traveling quite so much, so that's not really particularly good for Im Imuron. So maybe this is one of those COVID sort of secret plays that uh, things will improve for them. The stock has been under pressure for some time. There's a big timeline going out this year of things that are happening. They've got a bunch of tests coming up because they are testing uh, the travel land and its derivatives uh, with the US Department of Defense to see whether it can uh, keep US soldiers uh, from spending too much time on the toilet. And, and of course, uh, that, that is a big key, but this is going to take a long time for this trial to come through. So although it has got a reasonable uh, timeline this year and going into the first half of 2023 with lots of results to come, like all biotechs, it is uh, risky to some extent, but Travel Land 
is yeah. a proven product. At least it's got some many revenue. People. It has got some revenue, yeah. which is unusual for a biotech, and yeah. it's trying to leverage that uh, uh, that gastro uh, kind of product line into uh, into more high tech things. So it's, here, it's probably it's probably a speculative buy, but only because it's just been whacked so hard uh, for so long. But uh, as you say, it has got revenue. It has got a product that is pretty widely accepted. So as a biotech goes, it does hmm. present maybe some upside potential going into uh, 2022, 2023. Okay. So I'm going to put it as a buy. How about that? Okay. Let's get a buy on this. All right. Carl, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, Henry talks about, well, you said it does have revenues, but unfortunately the revenues are in the toilet at the moment, gents, <laughs> on the back of people just not travelling uh, due yeah. to COVID. And, yeah, look, I mean, it's a big problem uh, for them. When does that get back to normal? Um Look, I'll try and I can't add much more to what Henry's uh, uh, said there. So maybe we'll, we'll look at the, the chart and maybe look at the underlying valuation. Uh, Henry mentioned uh, could be as you know one of these uh, you know, COVID recovery secrets. It's a pretty good secret if you look at the chart because the chart is you know top left, bottom right, uh, and is, is flatlining. A little bit of action though last week. We sort of sort of it very very rarely trades. It doesn't trade a lot of shares, but trade about five million shares. Um, last week and then seven the next day and had a little bit of a pop-up. It's pulled back since then and it's gone a bit quiet. So that, that gets me a little bit concerned as to whether this is start, the start of some realisation of the great value here or maybe uh, just an aberration. I'm probably leaning towards more of an aberration. So that's the technicals. Technicals don't look great. Uh, in terms right. of the valuation, it's got a $27 million market cap and it's got $24 million cash in the bank. Uh, so you would say, well, it's you know it's, it's basically going at the value of the cash in the bank. The problem is they're burning about four million dollars a year of that cash. So that cash is obviously going to keep declining. Um, they're about to start in April their phase two trials uh, with, as uh, Henry says, with the Department of Defence. Now they reckon that could take 18 months. Uh, for the trials and then you've got to get to phase three and then you've got to get approval from the FDA. Um, so it could be three years before they're actually selling into the US uh, and it would take that. I think it would take that and a big recovery in travel to get them back to cash flow positive and then to profit. So you could be waiting three or four years. So right. uh, on that basis, I don't think I can echo's, uh, echo Henry's speculative buy. I, I think it's very cheap. I think your downside's fairly limited, but just with those risks, yeah. the balance of risks, I don't think I can get to a buy. So yeah, it's probably a hold it. if you've got it. Yeah, it's interesting. We're having trouble pulling the, the chart up on it, but uh, uh, currently trading at $4.23 and midway through 2020, uh, it was 15 bucks um, a share. And then, as Henry was saying, since uh, uh, international travel has been on the skids, um, so has its share price. That's an interesting one. All right, uh, thank you for that. And Taylor, thank you uh, for suggesting the stock. All right, something uh, a bit more mainstream, Carl. Now, Archer wants a view on South 32, the big diversified mining and metals group. It's in uh, uh, alumina, aluminium, bauxite, coal, um, manganese, uh, nickel, silver, lead, zinc. It was spun out of BHP. Uh, because it was seen to be uh, a bit of a dog, um, but has flourished ever since. It got, got yeah, out of BHP. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah, I mean. and, and that recent announcement of the go-ahead of um, uh, a new project in Arizona has kicked it up in recent week or so. Yeah, no, look, I think they're doing very well, all things considered, after yeah. getting 
shoved out of BHP really for at the time the stuff that nobody wanted so that they had did have um, a lot of coal assets as well that BHP was, was trying to get rid of they've since uh, got rid of their thermal coal because that's the, the least green stuff and uh, they've kept the metallurgical coal because that's sort of the most growth oriented one uh, but yeah look I, I mean that's sort of on the back burner for them as well I think mainly they're trying to reinvent themselves as many of our big resource companies are into this sort of you know future metals company where it's all about um, you know electric vehicles and batteries and things like that so you know nickel's a big focus for them they produce uh, i'm going to say I've owned about half as much nickel as bhp does but as much as combined igo western areas which is very interesting and those that uh, certainly igo has been our pick in the nickel space so uh, producing about as much nickel as that they're the uh, world's biggest correct me if i'm wrong henry uh, producer of silver um, very big on lead very big on zinc and, and all, all of these have applications uh, in you know in, in the future economy so uh, impressive there uh, you mentioned obviously there's an arizona um, uh, zinc lead silver deposit that's uh, coming on the line that is a, that could potentially be a big one uh, so in the right sort of metals at the right sort of time we're seeing the prices of many of these metals uh, on the up and up so i think yeah. that's uh, explaining the some of price, the strength share price in the share price reflecting that is it yeah, look, it is. And and I think, so we get to the point where we say, well, is it right for your portfolio? So look, understand that I do think it's a very high quality stock in what it does. And I think it's, it's I think we're at the right time of the cycle as well. So that's going to give it some tailwinds. But you have, I wouldn't say this is one for the risk averse. So if you're looking uh, for something that's going to be relatively capital stable, but yield uh, intensive, it's, it's it's not necessarily that one. It, it's going to ebb and flow with those commodity prices. Right. But with the risk comes the reward. So I think, um, I think there is still a, a enough in it to call it a buy we've got we've got a fair value target of 463 which is about uh, sort of 12 percent upside from here and we're predicting a yield of around about six percent fully frank so if you add those two together that is a very good total shareholder return so uh, with a nice chart we saw bottom left top right look i'm a buy on this one having said that i do like to time my entry so i think you could buy pullbacks i think buy pullbacks is the right way to go about it um, but for the portfolio i'm happy to call it a buy it's more of a longer term view though okay um, Henry, what do you think of South 32 as we saw from the five-year chart, almost a five-year high share price? <laughs> yeah, maybe it should be called North 32 instead of <laughs> South 32. It's, it seems to just be continuing to go further and further north. I guess, uh, you know, I would echo Carl's comments on this one. It is one of the, I, I suspect, you know, a core holding for those people looking for base metal exposure, and it covers an awful lot of those uh, those base metals. The news out of the Hermosa project in Arizona wasn't particularly good. Increased capex there, and I've got to say that they've spent quite a lot of money there. So that may be stalling some of the enthusiasm there because it, it does look as if that project is nowhere near as profitable as the market would yeah. have liked to have seen. So that that is a bit of a question mark over there. They just announced that recently. But every man and his dog broker-wise loves this stock. You know, it's uh, it was bad BHP. It was jettisoned from BHP with no debt and a sort of uh, off you go, guys, make the best of it. And they certainly have made the best of it. Clearly, they've had tailwinds in base metal prices, which certainly has helped. But I think that Hermosa thing is just giving people a little bit of cause mm. to have a look at the numbers there. Uh, and maybe that has stalled it a little bit. But, uh, you know, if you're looking for that broad based resource exposure across many many base metals it's pretty hard to go past south 32 in, in terms of quality of management quality of assets and quality of uh, the business so um, it's definitely a hold 
I, I think, as Carl said, if it came back into, uh, you know, around sort of four, well, 390, 380, 390, it would be a bit of a screaming buy given where prices are. But uh, Hermosa's yeah. just, I think, just just pushed a little bit of caution into the equation mm -hmm. there. Okay. And, and it's a big project too, as you say. Uh, Archer, thank you for it that. It is a big project. Um, Henry, John wants a view on Universal Store Holdings. Uh, John says, uh, I've been a follower of the, of the call for a while. Um, Universal's was in our core portfolio for, uh, in the past. Is it now a sell, a hold or a buy? Of course, it's the specialty retailer in that youth apparel market, 65 physical stores, big online uh, presence as well. Um, what do you think of Universal? Um, well, I, I think it's a buy, actually. Let's put this straight out there. I think it's a buy. They had, they're up 6.6% today. They had a trading update, uh, which I guess was a risk. And when I first started putting together some research on this one, uh, it was pretty obvious that at some stage in the next few days, there was going to be some sort of update, especially given JB Hi-Fi and especially given what's been happening Omicron as far as foot traffic goes. But what has saved them, apart from the fact they've got good brands and good demographics, and let's face it, the youngsters have really been still out and about, especially during the mm. social Christmas and New Year period, and they want to get dressed up. So that has been good for them. But more importantly is that move to online sales that they have seen, which has really uh, been doing very well. So that contributed uh, around nearly 20% of total sales, which is really going well. And like for light sales in the last period they just talked about this morning, uh, we're only down 2.2%. Mm. So that is not a bad result given the headwinds from from Omicron. I wouldn't imagine that I would imagine actually that we'll see a little bit of profit taking maybe tomorrow after a 6.6% rise. Uh, but I think you know this one's fallen from $8.40 as we've seen Omicron take hold. It's got potential to head back at least towards you know the 750, 760 level in the coming uh, week or so. So I wouldn't be surprised to see this one do quite well. So for me, this is a buy. At least the trading update clears clears the decks, and now we know where they are. So that all the unknowns are now known, and we know that they're doing much better in online. So as okay. we emerge from Omicron and the young people get out and about, go for it. Yeah. Bye. Uh, Carl. <laughs> Uh, yeah, look, I'm not sure if it's a buy. I think it's definitely a solid hold um, with Henry in terms of uh, I like the business. Uh, so, you know, very bullish management uh, over the last sort of three to six months, despite what's been going on over there in these cases. Imagine we do have quite a bit of skin in the game. So that's, you know, a couple, a couple of big ticks. I like, a, I like a, a bullish management with skin in the game too, because uh, they tend to position the company for that growth. And they have been uh, very strategic with their inventory ahead of Christmas. Um, strategic with doing the best they can at managing the inventory through that uh, crisis and trying. Uh, I think the, the reason why they got uh, belted, if you look at the, the chart, they got belted on their last trading updates is they uh, their margins were um, a bit a um, bit lower, a little bit a little pressure coming in there, but they did say that they had to dump a lot of their uh, winter stock quickly because right. stores were just just not open. So they had to take advantage of whatever uh, you know, openings they had and just get rid of that stock. So uh, the important line in this uh, this update, the current update, is that margins have bounced back. So they've popped up at you know, sort of 100 uh, BP. Uh, so, so I think that's why the market's responding to this. And overall, management continues to be quite bullish. So I think um, there's that little V-shape on the chart there recent times. I think the market is kind of getting to the point where, okay, uh, 
yeah, that's more of a, a blip. Let's look forward. Uh, let's look to the fact that consumers are cashed up. Let's look to the fact that the, the demographic is cashed up and really don't care about mortgages and uh, and things like that. They're, they're just spending to look good. I know my kids certainly fall into that demographic and they're yeah. cashed up after Christmas, goshy, with yeah. all their Christmas money. Um, so look, I, I can't get to a buy though just on the valuation. So I think it's a solid business. It's a hold if you've got it. Um, our fair value target is sort of at 690. So it's not, not, oh, not so enough in it. Yeah. It's pretty close there. We've got, um, I think the dividend yield isn't too bad though. Let me check my notes here. It's about 3%. Um, so to total shareholder return, absolutely a hold. I just can't get to a buy, I'm sorry. Okay. All right, Brendan wants a view on Clearview Technologies. Brendan says, not crash hot financials, but signing up projects and uh, fitting in with the green technology wave. Um, Clearview has a solar glazing technology that uh, looks really interesting from what reading about it. Um, Cuts heating and cooling costs by diverting the solar radiation to um, uh, photovoltaic cells which converts to electricity. Um, share price up, though, what, um, in the last week, uh, something like 60% because of uh, some testing that's come through um, out, of, uh, out, of, out of Toronto in, in Canada, Carl. Yeah, look, I mean, a big pop in the share price. It was trading sort of 25s, so it hit 50 uh, in, in the space of a few days on some massive volume. Yeah. It has pulled back. It's, it's probably back around that 40 level. Uh, it's one that has captured the uh, the imaginations of investors for quite a while. Sort of, if you look at uh, the chart, Feb, March, you can see uh, last year had a massive run and it nearly hit a dollar. And it tends to fall around those round numbers, isn't around a dollar, around 50. I wonder why that is. Maybe because there's a lot of punters in there just uh, trading hot money. Right. Uh, and it does become a bit of a momentum play in terms of the technology and i think this is where this is why it can do well uh, when it gets the attention of investors because on the face of it you go windows that make electricity i mean uh, like yep. that's it i'm on board sign me up but then you have to look at the um you know where, whether there's a, a, a an actual viable business behind it. So uh, they're very early stages in the commercialization of the product. They've got, uh, you know, some, some uh, they've got a Murdoch University out this way, so they're Perth-based. Um, they've got a greenhouse there that they're doing some testing on. There's a shopping center that's got a few panels going. Um, they have actually, interestingly, just signed up uh, a, a licensee in the US. That's their first of that nature. Uh, and then they've got a, a few sort of things on the back burners with a couple of uh, greenhouses. Um, so potentially there, there, there is scope that they will get it, that the um, economics of their production is opaque. They, they just don't tell us analysts. So we, it's very hard for me to forecast cash flows. What I would suggest, however, despite the story being uh, on the face of very good, there are a couple of other players in the space. So there's one group out of MIT in the US that is getting a lot of attention uh, in the US as having some very, very good technology. Uh, and then there's a, 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 a the incumbent is this group in Spain. Uh, they're based in Spain, but they've got offices all around the world and they are selling. So they have a commercially viable product that is out there and it's in buildings right now. So Clearview is coming up against that. So the, the lesson for investors is don't just buy a story um, unless you're a momentum play. You to watch that chart every day. Uh, ride that momentum and the sell when it's, it looks, you know, the, the, the black candle's coming, it's time to get out. Um, I don't think this is one for your core portfolio. I'm not even sure if it's risk money at this stage. Uh, but hey, if it does pop up and let's say it gets back through sort of 50 cents again, it maybe ride the journey to wherever it goes, probably a dollar. Okay. All right. So not not a buy. Not a buy at the moment, uh, Henry. Uh, I'd have to agree with Carl, who's obviously done some good 
work on its competitors. It sounds like really cool technology, I have to say, and they have been uh, making some inroads, but the revenue is still pretty tiny, to be honest. And uh, although I think it's around uh, 80 odd million dollar market cap. So for me, it's had a real big bounce. They had an ASX speeding ticket yesterday and tried to clarify some issues, which has seen the, the, the stock price come off a little bit. It's probably run a little bit hard for me. It's, it's not cheap enough to be speculative money at the moment. Uh, clearly, they have got some big competitors out there. So I think I'll just let this one go through to the keeper. And just uh, it, it's good to keep an eye on these because they become penguin stocks. And uh, what I mean, mean by that is that once you start getting a few clients, other people start looking at it and they start to get that kind of um, uh, right. people start to follow them. And once you get one penguin jumping on the on being a client, other penguins follow. So uh, if they can get some momentum up in that, they could get lots of penguins jumping. But at the moment, I think they're still in too early stage for me. But uh, maybe in the next keep year it on the two. watch list. Yeah, a bit early. All right. Yeah, keep it on the watch. This obviously looks cool technology. Yep. Uh, Ryan wants a view, Henry, on, you know, we're going from a, a new company with new technology to one of the oldest listed investment companies on the market, Australian Foundation Investment. Uh, Ryan says, I'm a long-term holder of this. However, in my opinion, it is massively overpriced at the moment. And I can bring myself to, uh, to buy any, to, to keep adding. Um, I'm leaning towards selling. Uh, what do you think, Henry? Um, well, as you say, Koshi, this is one of the oldest companies on the Australian Stock Exchange, AFI, Australian Foundation. It basically buys market leaders, especially the banking sector. It's got 8.4% of CBA, 7.1% of CSL. It's a bit like an ETF or it is really an LIC, but it is trading at a huge huge premium to uh, the underlying assets, which were around, uh, I think, uh, December 6th, uh, before tax, $7.76, but after tax, $6.43. So it is trading at a big premium. I prefer to buy things at a bit of a discount if they are market yep. uh, orientated. But having said that, this one, like, um, you know, you look at Wilson Asset Management, that trades at a big premium as well. The reason for this is good communication, shareholder loyalty, Frank dividends, which is really important, pass through to shareholders, and, and the fact that it has a track record of trading at a big premium. So, although it makes, I guess, not a huge amount of logic to pay, you know, eighty, well, a dollar twenty for a dollar's worth of assets. Yeah. Uh, if as long as the dollar twenty, as long as the assets keep going up, which is the underlying and it's the likes of CBA, CSL, BHP, Macquarie, West Farmers, etc then hopefully that premium will stay there and you won't suffer. But you know, as I say, I prefer to buy LICs at a discount, but there's nothing wrong with this one. It's a great long-term value creator, even though it always uh, does look expensive on that um, price to NTA. Uh, uh, let, let, let me ask you, Henry, in a bull market, um, you could yep. sort of understand um, them trading at a premium in anticipation of the share market still going up. So, okay, it's well-known, good management, good track record. If it turns into yep. a bear market, does then the opposite occur, that um, stocks like this trade at a discount in anticipation of the market going down further? Uh, that certainly can happen. We can see, uh, and we've done very well here at Marcus today on buying LICs at big discounts when you do get that dislocation uh, right. because people tend to throw these things out 
uh, pretty quickly. Uh, we did very well out of a stock called Long Short Fund, LSF, yep. which uh, we bought around a dollar. It's currently trading around $2.93 for the very reason that when you do get this sort of uh, dislocation in markets, some of these LICs get sold off considerably. I'm not sure AFI falls into that basket. Right. Okay. It, it's a very... It's got a very loyal shareholder base, very much like uh, Wilson Asset Management. Right. It's uh, It's been around forever. It's quality. They're transparent. Everybody knows what they own. own. So um, I don't think okay. it falls into that really sort All of right. getting Good. whacked in Good. the bear market. But, but it does perform as the ASX 200 to some extent. Okay. Uh, Carl, what do you think of AFI? Uh, well, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't mind it. I mean, if you don't have any exposure to the market, it, this is one way to get that exposure. Of course, you could just go for your average index fund as well, because let's face it, I mean, they, 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 if you look at their marketing, they say they're, they're value investors and, and then they're looking for, uh, you know, companies that are trading at a reasonable price compared to their growth and dividends and things like that. But at the end of the day, they're, they're for all intents and purposes, holding the ASX portfolio, right? The, uh, the, yep. the top the top stocks. So with, with some slight changes in, in in weightings here and there but otherwise you know the the the, the funds top 25 is, is the is the market's top 25 so i don't know what the value add is there and then i get back to what henry's saying is about what if, if there's very little value add um to just doing it yourself or just buying another index fund why is it trading at such a premium so now putting all that aside the chart looks amazing so what do i do as a technical analysis the chart is 10 out of 10 buy uh, but i can't really make a case on the fundamentals so i think i'll right. split them and say hold if you've got it Right. Okay. All right. Similar to Henry. All right. Let's uh, just recap the uh, the first five stocks plus our stock of the day, BHP, a hold from uh, both Henry and Carl. If you're on a buy from Henry, a hold for uh, a no from Carl. South 32, um, a buy from Carl, but on a pullback um, in the share price. Um, uh, Henry sort of agrees. Hold it if you've got it. But if it comes back to around $3.80, $3.90, then it looks pretty attractive to him. Uh, Universal Stores, a yes from Henry, a hold from uh, from Carl. Uh, Clearview, a no from both. And Australian Foundation, a, uh, a hold. Um, coming up in this second half of the call, we're going to be looking at Westpac, Core Lithium, Connection Technologies, Endeavour Group, and also Tyro Payments. And... Let's kick off with, with Westpac. Henry, Jesse wants a view on Westpac, saying, I'm new to investing, a 20-something investor. Uh, should I buy Westpac compared with the other big three? Westpac has the lowest share price and the highest dividend with the current slump in the, uh, in the markets. Will the share price of all the big four increase with an increase in interest rates? So let me break it down to two questions I, I want your view on. I think Jesse does as well. Should she buy a Westpac um, uh, compared with the big four? And is Westpac now, I think, number five? Macquarie's coming to the big four, but anyhow, I could be wrong. Um, and number two, <laughs> is Westpac a good stock for a 20-something wanting to get into the market? Oh, that's a tricky one, isn't it? I mean, I, I, I look at Westpac and... The, uh, I look at Westpac and they've stuffed up right royally, let's face it. Their, their net interest margin has been under some pressure. Uh, they've missed the great housing boom bubble or whatever you want to call it uh, with mortgages. And they've always stood out as a bit of a maverick between the other three banks. Well, we won't include Macquarie in the big four. Uh, but the other three banks, uh, ANZ, NABS and CBA, all have their attractions, all have their stuff ups. 
all have made mistakes and paid dearly for it. Westpac have paid pretty dearly recently. I've been looking at it. I've got to say, it's 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 popping up on my radar as what I would call part of a pairs trade, uh, buying Westpac and selling one or two of the others, perhaps on a relative basis, because they do tend to trade pretty much around the same share price eventually. Uh, and this one has suffered. As far as the dividend goes, though, don't be sucked in to uh, what historically dividends have been. We do get the numbers out in May, and we need to see some evidence that they've got things back on track. And uh, being a maverick is all well and good if you're a, if you if you do your job well. But if you do your job badly, you just look like a goose. And these guys have looked like goose uh, or geese, if that's the right yep. way of putting it. And I think that's going to continue. They will continue to underperform against the others until we see what happens in May. But they have missed out on uh, the big sort of banking right. push. Who's your preferred uh, big four? Um, well, I guess CBA always stands out as expensive, but for a reason. Technology is good. NAB seems to be getting back on track. It has been a dog. Uh, my advice always tends to be. Um, get get your revenge on the buggers by buying the shares in the bank that you are, you bank with. So if you're a Westpac customer, uh, then buy the shares in Westpac because they're paying back 60, 70, 80 percent of the profits to shareholders in dividends fully franked. So at least the fees you're paying, you're getting some of that back to yourself. So that would be where I would go. Okay. Uh, but certainly in terms of one, two, three, I think uh, CBA, NABs, ANZ, maybe Westpac, but Westpac is for the brave. As far as long-term goes, uh, banks are a great way of building wealth through the power of compound interest with those dividends, but uh, okay. uh, they, they need to be watched and traded. For a 20-something new to investing, uh, um, you know, you, you would think Jesse has been listening to her aunties and uncles and, you know, the older investors in her family have always been in the big four banks and, you can never go wrong, yep. um, which they haven't been as good, good as your, your relatives probably no. have uh, suggested uh, com compared with a lot of other sectors. Would, as a 20-something, would you still look at a big bank? Uh, I, I think yeah. so, yeah. But, you know, there are, banks go through cycles, let's face yeah. it. So, you know, one stage Westpac were 40 bucks. I remember when they were two dollars fifty when uh, yeah. Kerry Packer and the AMP bailed them out in the uh, in the early nineties. So they do go through cycles. So bear that in mind. Okay. So, have, what's a good twenty-something stock alternative? Uh, oh, jeez. I, I I'd go with something like uh, we're a resource company country. Let's go with BHP. Okay. Carl, what do you think of Westpac amongst the big four? <laughs> Yeah, I think if you ask um, you know, 10 different analysts, you're going to get 10 different answers as to which is the best bank. Uh, no, no doubt that's historically been the case. Historically, banks have been pretty good for Australian shareholders. So I can understand why, you know, relatives might be saying, look, buy, buy banks, you can't go wrong. And yeah, to some extent, you probably can't on a total shareholder return basis. And I think if you're just starting out, uh, maybe your objectives are to get a foothold in a stock that's probably not going to give you too many headaches and a reasonable uh, yield, and maybe not to you know, shoot the lights out at the start. Although you, you might want to um, have, have a couple of whatever you're looking to invest, Westpac split that into, maybe something boring like Westpac and maybe something a little bit more exciting. Um, the other part of Jesse's question, which I think is very important to address, is uh, this idea that uh, Westpac is the 
is the cheapest bank because it's got the lowest share price. So it's important um, for, for people that are coming into the market. This is one of the most common mistakes they make. They say, well, share price is low, therefore stock must be cheap. And share price is high, therefore stock must be expensive. And often it's the exact opposite of that. You know, share prices tend to be lower. Uh, well, look, there's a couple of bits to this. So I have to be quick, obviously, because we don't have all day. Yeah. But, you know, the value of a business is not its share price. It's its you know, market capitalization is probably a better way to look at it, or its enterprise value. Uh, and that's determined based upon its, the present value of its earnings. And I know I'm talking gobbledygook to, to a lot of people, but at, at the end of the day, you kind of have to start to learn about some of these terms. So yep. one way to do it, an easy way to do it, is to go look up PE ratio, so the price to earnings, what you're paying for the earnings of that business, and then you've got some, you've got some basis to compare them. So on that basis, for Jesse, I've done a little bit of research. If, you, if you're looking to compare the big banks, so if we're looking at um, Westpac's, uh, current year PE, it's 13.8. And that compares to ANZ. And uh, by the way, Jesse, you want to go lower is better here, okay? So 13.8 versus ANZ is, is potentially a bit cheaper. They're at 13.3. CBA's at 20. So on that basis, you would say that CBA is more expensive. NAB's at 15. Bendigo's at 12. Bank of Queensland's at 12. So on that basis, uh, Westpac doesn't look uh, expensive uh, compared to the other banks. But then you have to say, well, um, it's all about growth in earnings down the track. So to say that this year's PE is X is less important important to say is, well, in the, in, the, in the future, the P is going to be Y. So on that basis, if you, if you do the maths, if you look at, say, three years out, which is, I think, is, is a good sort of investing horizon for Jesse, ANZ starts to look a lot cheaper. I'm sorry, Westpac starts to look a lot cheaper because of the growth in the business. So it is forecast to have more growth than the other banks, and therefore it starts to look cheaper. So not too cheap on current earnings and expect it to get cheaper down the track. So on that basis, it's not a bad pick. Uh, for your information, ANZ is our top sector pick for whatever reason. Um, we need to get to the point, should Jesse buy Westpac? I don't mind it. Is there another stock that might be more exciting and might be more future orientated for a younger investor? I like IGO. So IGO is the, uh, it's got, they've got nickel, they've got copper, they've uh, got uh, uh, lithium and uh, cobalt. So, you know, these great sort of future focused uh, metals, as Henry correctly says, we're, we're a resources based country. So maybe uh, if you could, you know, split your investment between something boring and old fashioned like Westpac and maybe something a little bit more exciting like IGO. Yep. Perfect. Great advice, you two. And Jesse, thanks not only for the stock, but also the question, because I think it's a common question for a lot of our viewers and uh, really appreciate it. Um, now, Stephen uh, Carr wants a view on Core Lithium. Stephen says, I'm very new to investing. Started buying some Core Lithium shares in October. Love to hear the expert, <laughs> experts' thoughts. Um, uh, they've had a big run up in share price, haven't they, over the last week or so after um, news of an acquisition out of Canada. Yeah, look, uh, funny, uh, you mentioned October. So uh, Henry and I were last, uh, well, I think the last time we were on together, uh, we were on the 14th of October and we were discussing another lithium stock. Honestly, I can't remember what that lithium stock was, but we both said as our bonus buy, uh, Core Lithium was our preferred exposure. So I wonder if Stephen got on in October on the basis of that recommendation. Um, and uh, so look, yeah, it has done very well. It's done very well. I think it's, that's kind of, if we get to a buy, hold, sell here, that's kind of the message. Look, it has done very well. Gee, you doubled your money since October. You've done very well. I know uh, Henry uh, had some PA as well, so he's probably very happy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, look, nothing goes up in a straight line and 
you might want to look to take a little bit off the table here. Having said that, at some stage, I do think you want to buy it back. So um, uh, most people will probably know it's a lithium uh, company. They're about to go into production. So uh, they're, they're uh, literally breaking ground on uh, the mining part of the equation. They need to dig a big hole, obviously, first to, to get to the good stuff. Uh, and then they um, just commence construction on their processing plant with uh, first um, lithium uh, concentrate production due for the end of this year. Um, they have uh, binding offtake agreements all signed. So, uh, you know, th th there's going to be cash flows and there's going to be, uh, I would expect, profits not too far down the track. Um, a, a fairly uh, quick payoff on this one, fairly low cost producer. So tick, tick, tick. Not a huge resource. And I think that um, might be uh, maybe a smidge of a of a cross against them compared to some of uh, their, their sort of counterparts out there. I'm thinking Pilbara Minerals, for example, maybe even uh, Liontown with their uh, Kathleen Valley operation. Uh, but uh, a huge potential, huge, huge potential. I believe in this resource and I, and I do think they will extend that mine life. So um, long story short, we still like them even at these prices. Uh, our fair value target is in the 120s and we've used some really conservative um, estimates on that uh, to get to that valuation. But I think it's hot and I think you've got to, you've got to just maybe feed, feed the masses when they're, when they're hungry uh, and, and maybe look to buy. If you, sell, you know, if you sold a third of your holdings and look to buy that back a little cheaper, I'll give you a number um, that maybe you can buy it back at. Here we go. Uh, Core lithium, uh, 75. I mean, if you're getting 90 cents down, you can buy a little bit back at 75 and then hold the rest to 120. I think it's the way to go. So look, it's, it's not really a buy for me now, but it, it is longer term uh, still a buy with that valuation. Right. Okay, Henry. Um, I'll make this quick, uh, Koshi, because I know we're running out of time. Uh, Core Lithium, I do own it PA, and as Carl said, it's always good to take profits, feed the turkeys while they gobble. I, I fed some gobbling turkeys the other day and sold around 25, 30% <laughs> of my holding uh, on that basis. Still like it, uh, but it has run pretty hard. I'd be happy to uh, be looking to buy it back. But, you know, the SPP was done at 31 cents. Uh, not that long ago. So it has run hard. As Carl says, the resource is not the biggest, but they are exploring and it at only stage one. But uh, for me, it's a, it's a hold here. I've still got 60 odd percent of what I started with at around eight cents. Uh, so it's done me proud. I'm pretty happy with this one. Hang on, you got in at eight cents. Well, it's now 80. It was a few years ago, oh. yeah, it was a it was a few years. It was a few years ago. These things take time. These things right. take time to percolate. It's not instant, instant money out there. Uh, yeah, um, yeah. It does take time to bring on these mining projects, as you all know. Uh, yes, yes, but a, a ten bagger. That's not bad going. All right, let's uh, yeah. move move from lithium to uh, to technology. Uh, Scott wants a view on connection telematics. Uh, it's a, a software basically for the automotive industry to to track some of their logistics. General Motors is using part of it at the moment. Um, Henry, what do you think of connection? Uh, no, no connection for me, I'm afraid. Um, not a business I've come across. Too small, uh, relatively thinly traded. No interest, really. There's so many other things out there. Why bother? Yep. Sorry. Carl? Yeah, 1.2 cents. Uh, the chart is horrific. I mean, it's. Uh, I mean, it, that, this chart that's on screen now is sort of a more recent one. So it flicks between 1.2 and uh, 1.4 or whatever it is, and you get those those blips uh, on it. Uh, it's very thinly traded, uh, and that puts it in the extreme high risk basket. 
for the people that do want to know about it, I, I, obviously um, Scott's called in, so he might have the stock or he might want to know a bit more about it. They, they, uh, there is a technology business there. They do uh, sort of your fleet and loaner vehicle tracking for General Motors, but General Motors is their main business. There's really not a lot going outside of that. So that creates huge risks. For analysts, we look at that and we go uh, straight away, almost you wouldn't invest in it, no matter how good the rest of the business is just on that basis, because if General Motors change their mind, then there is no business after that. Um, they've had a real um, downturn because of COVID, because just uh, the fleets are just smaller now anyway, uh, because obviously there's less um, need for large fleets with people working from home. And then it's hard to get uh, vehicles uh, for General, uh, it's hard for General Motors to get vehicles into showrooms because of um, various uh, supply chain issues, including that semiconductor shortage. They were doing pretty well though before COVID, and that's a shame because effectively the, 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 the whole financial side of things has, has really uh, ground to it to, to a halt. Um, they are just squeaking out operational cash flow positive, and that could change as well. Uh, fortunately, at 1.2 cents, if you do, if your Scott does have it, if that's why he's inquiring, there's probably not much downside. But if you don't have it, if you're not Scott, um, I don't think there's any reason to yeah. look here. Yeah, yeah, you don't want to get locked in so thinly traded. Oh, absolutely. Um, let's go the other end of the scale to one of the behemoths on the on the market. Only recently listed though, Endeavour Group. Carl, uh, Kira wants a view on Endeavour. Spun out of Woolworths, uh, it was all Woolworths um, liquor stores, Dan Murphy's, BWS, uh, all their hotels, hospitality, and gaming assets to make Woolworths uh, more. Uh, if you like, ethically investing friendly, put out all the bad things into Endeavour. What do you think of Endeavour? Uh, yeah, yeah, there's some good things in, in Endeavour well, as well. Yeah, if you don't yeah. mind, I mean, if you don't mind, if, if you ethically. don't mind what they do. Yeah, and it's, it's a very important point you make, Koshi, absolutely, because um, people are investing today based upon what companies do. And back yeah. in the old days, it didn't matter. Did it make money? Uh, can I Can I make money out of that? I'm on board. And now people are really scrutinising whether uh, yep. morally, ethically, uh, that business is in a business that uh, you agree with. Particularly um, big so institutional it, investors, isn't it? And super funds that part of their trust deed says, you've got to invest ethically. Yep. And, and that is only going to increase. And it, you know, it could actually provide a, a headwind for, um, for, for share price increases uh, for Endeavour down the track, just on that basis, just a lack of supply mm. uh, from those from those funds. Having said that, let's look at the business. And there is a good business there and a very defensive business. So it could be one, it could qualify as one of those sleep at night portfolio holdings. Again, for your defensive investor, your income-based investor, it is not for your growth investor. Um, having said that, the growth isn't bad. It's just not going to shoot the lights out and justify the high PE you're paying for it right now. So uh, I think it's about 25 times this year's earnings. Uh, there is some growth in the business, sort of high single digits. That's going to come down to 20 times earnings by FY. Uh, 25, but that's not enough growth to get me excited. And therefore, it makes the stock overvalued, in my opinion. So our value target is $6.09, which is about 5% below where the company uh, is trading at right now. So we actually think it's overvalued at the moment. So on that basis, we certainly couldn't buy it. I'm, I'm actually going to go avoid simply because I do think it's overvalued and the chart doesn't look that great either. Uh, Henry? Um, I'll keep it quick. Chart doesn't look particularly great, but it is trying to find some support. I mean, they've got quality businesses. Hard to see where the growth is coming from. It's been swings and roundabouts. Pubs haven't been doing quite so well, but I guess Dan Murphy's have been doing better during Omicron. Mm. Um, it's probably, for me, a hold because it is defensive, 2.8%, 3% yield. Um, but uh, nothing very exciting about this business. I'm not sure what the catalyst is for excitement. So it's, it's a hold, but right. yeah, it's, it's not an exciting business. Okay. 
Final stock, uh, Henry. Oscar wants a view on Tyro Payments, the uh, technology payments solution business. They sort of um, basically do the EPOS machines, don't they, for small business? Uh, yeah, what, what I've always find interesting about Tyro is they put out weekly updates on COVID. Uh, they put out this week update number 96. Mm. There you go. That's 96 weeks since uh, we've been uh, playing with the whole COVID game. So um, I, I still struggle to find positives in this one. They've got class action overhanging it. They had issues last January uh, with their terminals. They've had to uh, subsidize them to some extent. I think there's competition coming. I've tried really hard to get excited about this one. People have told me I should. I can't. Um, it's For me, it's an avoid. I, I can't get excited, I'm right. afraid. Sorry. Okay. Carl, what's your excitement level on Tyro? Uh, I'm with Henry on this one. Uh, I've been on a, f uh, a few times uh, having to discuss Tyro, and each time I say the same thing. I think it's the third time I've had to discuss it on the call. And I, th I think it's a very interesting business. I think they've got great growth in there, uh, but uh, it is a competitive business, as Henry says. I mean, there's not a huge amount of differentiation in what they do, which is their sort of um, you know, point of sale uh, terminals. But uh, they're also uh, expanding their, their banking side of things. So uh, merchant uh, funding and uh, even taking term deposits and things like that is growing quickly. But that is clearly a very competitive space as well. The valuation is the problem for me. And it has been the problem for me every time I've been on the show. And I've said the same thing. I like the business. It's very interesting, but it is crazy, crazy expensive. Um, we're talking about 320 times next year's earnings. God. Yes, there's some growth in there, but we're still talking about you know 90, 100 times earnings three years from now, and you've got that all of that execution risk just to get to a, a PE multiple of nearly 100. Uh, you'd have to really love it, and you have to really be a true believer to st stay with this for the long haul. The chart doesn't look great. It keeps rejecting um, those levels around about, so I think it's fourth. 50-ish yeah it is uh, and therefore uh, without the valuation and with a pretty lousy looking chart uh, it is also an avoid for me it's not even a hold yeah okay all right uh carl kapalinga from uh, think markets great to have you aboard as usual appreciate your time always a pleasure koshi looking yeah. to see you around the traps after feb 5 yeah. never know <laughs> yep too right well we got to visit the grandkids <laughs> at some stage over there uh henry jennings you're a lot closer to me so i'll see you you're you're around the streets of the northern beaches but good to see you i am indeed take your rat test to wa you'll find those are quite hard to find <laughs> all right guys thank Might you for that uh, let's just recap Cheers. our final uh, five stocks. Um, really interesting discussion um, about Westpac, which a, uh, a viewer who's just getting into the share market 20-something was uh, looking at investing in. Um, Henry Jennings, if you're looking for a big four bank, prefers uh, Commonwealth Bank. Um, Carl says it's just okay uh, as an investment, um, low risk, predictable. Um, when I asked both of them, what should a 20-something go into as their first investment? Henry suggested uh, BHP and uh, Carl IGO to obviously BHP, the big resource company, and IGO is uh, a big diversified um, resource uh, company looking at lithium and base metals and things like that. Uh, Core Lithium, um, which uh, both of the guys recommended um, last October, which has uh, now doubled. And our viewer was saying, what do we do now? Um, because the share price has doubled. Um, Henry has actually 
sold a third of his uh, holding in core lithium uh, and taken the profits and is waiting for a pullback to buy in. Carl recommends that as well. He likes the business, but saying, look, if you're in it, sell a third. If it gets back down to 75 cents, then average down, load up again. But um, uh, it's hot at the moment, has had a great run. Uh, that may not last. Uh, connection, a no from both. Endeavour Group, a hold from Henry, a no from uh, Carl, and Tyro Payments, a no from both as well. Uh, if you've got any stocks that you would uh, like us to take a look at and for me to put to our expert panel, um, put them in an email to us, the call at osbiz.com.au. Mm-hmm.